Welcome to the Small Business Big Life Podcast. My name is Derek Van Ness, and I'm the lead wealth strategist and founder at Big Life Financial, where we use innovative tax and financial strategies to help business owners keep more of the money they make and be a whole lot smarter at growing it. We believe every person has something unique and valuable to bring to the world, but far too often money stops them from sharing those gifts. We're here to fix that problem by helping people get money out of the way so they can unleash their full potential on the world. Stick around to the end of the show, and I'll even reveal how you can be the next guest on one of the fastest growing daily inspirational podcasts on the planet. So let's get this thing started now. Well, welcome everybody to the Small Business Big Life Podcast. This is Derek Vanish, your host, and we have another great guest today. Simon Later is going to be sharing with us some of the tips and tricks, experiences, things that he's been through in the last 20 years-ish in business and all the things that he's learned on two different continents and uh, going to offer some really incredible perspective. So Simon, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. Yeah, re- really excited to talk with you and in talking with you before our interview here. You brought up some really fascinating points and, and sounds like you've got a really cool story that I'm excited to explore about how you got in business and some of the challenges that you've been facing and, and gone through over the years. So that's going to be cool because there's a lot of people who are going to be facing some of those challenges and have been. But before we jump into all that, just tell us real quick, what do you do? Uh, what makes you guys unique? And how can people find you in case they can't get to the end of the episode and they want to reach out? Okay. So um, first of all, thanks again for having me. It's uh, great to be on here. Um, so I am Simon Leder. Uh, I am the uh, co-founder and CEO of Salisi, um, which is a global uh, recruitment and career counseling and training organization. Um, we started in Manchester, England in 2005, and then we expanded and I came to Las Vegas, Nevada, where I currently am, uh, where we opened our US business in 2013. Um and uh, yeah, I collect single malt Scotch whiskey. I'm a key Manchester United supporter, and we won yesterday, which is great. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I uh, I'm a big believer that, uh, and my kind of modus operandi is that um, job satisfaction is a necessity; it's not a luxury. Um, my whole life and my career has been built on propagating that message and encouraging people to find the perfect job. Perfect. Now, a lot of our our listeners are business owners, right? And I kind of believe that a business can be your your keys to the freedom or that you can build your own prison, right? Mm. So even within what you think you want to do. So before we jump into that, Simon, just share with us, like if you could give one piece of advice to a business owner who's maybe a couple of years behind you or or is you know building their their dream business and really going after it what would you say to someone who who you wanted to give that advice to okay that's actually um probably the single biggest challenge that most business owners that I speak to um have i've got a lot of friends a lot of contacts um who are building their businesses and they found that when they went from working for um working in corporate life um to then starting their own business they found they traded one boss for dozens of them, right? Every client is another boss, another boss, another boss. 
And I remember I was faced with exactly the same thing. And this, the probably the single best piece of advice I've ever been given is it takes from the minute you decide to do it and then you execute it, it takes approximately two years to be able to build a business that can operate without you in it on a daily basis. Okay. Now it's going to fluctuate, but broadly speaking, if your business has a level of stability from the minute you decide, right, I am going to establish this business on such a footing that I don't need to be in every day. It's going to take you two years to do, to do that. Okay. And it's very simple. You can either work in your business or work on your business. All right. And the only way to really, to first of all, to achieve genuine financial freedom is to be able to have a business that can operate successfully without you. And it's also the only way you can be independently critical and therefore start to grow, develop, and um, optimize that business. It's, you know, you know the old expression, you can't see the wood for the trees, all right? Yeah. Um, it's impossible to be objective about something in which you are so subjective okay mm -hmm. um the old analogy people you know you can give to people is the only building in new york you can be standing in and not seeing the empire state building is the empire state building right so if yeah. you're in a business you can't see it objectively right so probably the single best piece of advice i was ever given was make the commitment and then rigorously focus on executing that plan to enable the business to operate successfully without you. And it's going to be a two-year plan. Yeah. But you know that you know the old Chinese expression: the best day to build a tree is twenty-five years ago. The second best day is today. You know, so right. it's really that. Oh, and by the way, just to answer your question before: how can people reach me? Uh, easiest place is just go to simonlader.com. S-I-M-O-N-L-A-D-E-R. SimonLader.com. Very good. So, so I want to ask you to articulate one little piece there. You talked about working in the business versus working on the business. I see a lot of business owners in this place of like, okay, I'm in the business. We're doing okay. I want to start extricating myself, freeing myself from the day to day. How do you balance that work? Because a lot of people believe like, and tell me like, if I stop working, the business stops making money. So, so how do you teach people or how did you find that balance? Okay. Well, first of all, um, it's important for, for business owners to take a long, hard look at themselves and realize that they are not God, okay? Um, <laughs> you know, I'm, yeah. I'm good at lots of things, but I'm pretty certain that every single thing I do, there's somebody else better in the world than I am. You know, there are 8 billion people on the planet, right? I'm pretty sure across every single thing I do in the business, there's going to be someone better in it than me, all right? And... You know, okay, I'm the very best person at being me. Yeah, but I'm not the best person at doing all the bits that I do. All right. In my business right now, I'm responsible for decision making. I uh, am responsible for, you know, business strategy. I sometimes get involved with headhunting and client re relations and various other different things, right? But I know that in every single one of those elements, there is somebody better than me. All right. Mm -hmm. So, the simple thing to do is to make a list of all of the things that I do and then go, right, okay, who can I find that's better than me doing that bit? And I'll give them that. And then who can I find that's better than me at that bit? I'll give them that. And so on and so on and so on until there's nothing left for me to do. And that's the ideal position to be in.
Yeah, I heard it said uh, said this way once. I used to go to a coffee shop when I lived in Virginia and uh, and write every day. And there was a guy in there talking to his buddy and kind of teaching him about entrepreneurship. And one of the things he said is the absolute best thing that an entrepreneur can do is hire somebody to do the things that can can be done by someone else as soon as possible. Really get, you know, once once you're able to get there, hire that out instead of holding on to it. The more you hold on to it, the more you're holding the business back. And I thought that was a pretty, pretty important thing to say to, especially to a young person coming up because employees are a whole different thing uh, than just doing it yourself. But I, I do find that it holds me to a much higher standard to, you know, to have people who are excellent at what they do pushes me to be better. Absolutely. And, and the thing is that I remember talking to, uh, talking to a friend of mine who ran a business and uh, he was, he was insistent that he would do everything himself. He did his own bookkeeping. He did it because he was like, um, if I spend, you know, 25 bucks, 30 bucks, whatever it is an hour on a bookkeeper, then I'm losing that amount of money. And I'm like, what's your charge out rate? You're an attorney. What's your charge out rate? You know, <laughs> uh-huh. like, are you going to charge yourself out? Are, are you right now? Does the business need you to be a good attorney at 250 bucks an hour, or 500 bucks an hour, whatever it is, or a bad, a bad, very expensive bookkeeper? You know, yeah. like what's the business? What's the business most? What's the business's biggest necessity right now? You know, and and it's just shifting that mindset from being um, I'm saving 30 bucks to no, I'm costing the business say 220 bucks because I'm doing that when I really ought to be doing this or finding more clients that will pay me to do this, you know? Yeah, 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 the opportunity cost, right, of that time. 100%. Yeah. I, and then there was I had another friend as well. I've got a lot of friends. I have another, <laughs> another friend. Imagine that. Uh, and uh, another friend who, uh, he, he, I remember him once saying to me, um, I will never hire any, I have to know everybody's job in my business. I will never hire anyone that, um, that knows something I don't know. Because how on earth are they going to look up to me? So I said, I have everybody that knows things I don't know. That's why I hire them. You know, <laughs> if I'm not, if I'm the cleverest guy in the room, I'm clearly in the wrong room. All right. I want to hire people because, because they grow my business by making it stronger. Okay. I mm-hmm. want the net intelligence of the business to be stronger with every hire that I make. I want the net skill base the average skill base of the business to be stronger with every hire that I make, right? So if I'm hiring people that don't know as much as I do, why are they hire them then? Yeah, I, I think you make a great point. So, so let's shift gears here for just a sec. And I appreciate you kind of sharing all of that a little more at a, at a deeper level than a lot of people get into. How, how did you get into the business you're in and why were you drawn to this or why have you stuck with it? Um, that's, that's a great question. Okay. So, um, I was, um, I was unemployable in my, well, I left college and uh, I left school. Um, and I, I finished high school two years early cause I was, um, I can't remember what the word is. It's a nice word for being obnoxious and clever. And, yeah. uh, I was a mixture of the two and, um, I, uh, I, I tried getting hired by people and I kept getting fired because even though I knew like some, ba- I, I, I studied kind of business and execution as part of kind of computer sciences in, in school. 
And um, so I was going, I was getting hired and then going up to like the boss and going, okay, these are all the things that are wrong with your business and why you're not making any money and why you're too stupid not to have realized it. And surprise, surprise, I kept getting fired. Yeah, that's so, that's really surprising. It shocked me, seriously. It's, it's like <laughs> a 22-year-old cocky little git. You know, it just is surprising. It's surprising. I couldn't, I couldn't fathom why. I'd keep going home to my mum and dad, and they'd be going, "You're fired again." Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> so um, uh, eventually, um, uh, so I started my own business, and uh, I it was in car alarms of all things, uh, because I happened to be working for a, for a company that sold car alarms. Figured out that there was a better way they could make money. Went and told the CEO, who fired me, and I thought I could do it myself. And actually, I, I grew this business um, quite successfully. And sold it. And I was 22 um, with a sizable chunk of money in the bank. But I thought, I can't retire at 22. I need to find something else to do, right? Yeah. And, and, and I had no idea what I wanted to do. I'd hit success very early. And I had no idea what I wanted to do with the rest of my life, right? And, um, so, and, and I, I was just completely and utterly clueless, right? Anyway, around that time, I had um, I was on the way back from a friend's wedding with my buddy Mark, right? And we were driving on the highway in England, and it was 2 o'clock in the morning, just after 2 o'clock in the morning, and the wheel came off the front of his car. He was driving a big, I think it was a Peugeot or a Volvo, big car, and the wheel came off the front of the car. Wow. The car span around on the highway, cars, <laughs> trucks either side, and we're weaving between the cars, we turn over and all that. Finally, we both get out relatively unscathed. And I remember, and no one wanted to get all too kind of heebie-jeebie, but um, I had a dream um, uh, uh, maybe a, a couple of nights later, and I dreamt basically that my grandfather, who passed away some years earlier, had basically said, um, you were meant to have died, but we realized this wasn't your time. You've got more to give, right? Huh. Wow. And... It, I spoke to some people afterwards about it. I even spoke to some kind of spiritual people. And I'm not really into that, but I thought it was probably just my way of dealing with the trauma of what had happened. But it clearly sent me a message of, at 22, 23, stop being such a selfish, cocky so-and-so and go out and contribute to other people, right? Mm -hmm. And I'd recalled that my dad, um, who was a real rock and a real foundation of my life, right? The one time I remember his foundation shaking was when he'd been made redundant, right? He'd worked for like 20 years for a company, the company had a shift in whatever. And so he was basically made redundant for about three or four months, he was out of work. And I remember how much that really kind of rocked him, okay? Mm -hmm. Anyway, so all that's kind of going on in the back of my mind. Whilst now at like 22, 23, I'm kind of thumbing through the evening paper trying to figure out what I'm going to do with the rest of my life, right? Yeah. And um, I saw this company advertising all these different kind of sales and marketing positions. And I thought, you know what? Sales and marketing is pretty much the kind of stuff that I've done with the car alarm business. Maybe I'll go and give that a try. So I went to this company and the boss, the, the, uh, the CEO, um, I didn't realize it was him, but he was interviewing me. Hmm. And at the end of the interview, he said... Um, well, actually, we're hiring here. We're a recruitment company. We're hiring here. Do you want a job? 
And I said, yeah, I, I think I can learn from you. You, you know, you come across as a great guy, but I've got no idea what recruitment companies do. I, I was so clueless. I didn't realize all these jobs they were advertising, they were advertising for other people. I didn't, I, I thought they were advertising all these jobs themselves. So he kind of explained it to me. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, that's how stupid I was. And I thought, yeah, this sounds like exactly the kind of thing I want to do. Helping people finding jobs, brilliant. And all this kind of stuff. It, it, it was just one of those moments in time where everything kind of seemed to come together. Mm. And um, I stayed with him for four years. He taught me so much. The biggest thing he taught me was discipline, respect. Um, he, was for, he was a former um, soldier in the British Army who had kind of converted into, uh, into re- or transitioned into recruitment. So he was very much about attention to detail and respect and like meticulous planning and execution, which really was probably the biggest thing lacking from, I mean, I was, uh, uh, how despite the success that I'd had, I was still very much a fly by the seat of your pants kind of guy, right? Sure, sure, sure. Um, so he taught me that. I stayed with him for four years um, and it was, it was an amazing education. Then that company kind of struggled kind of post 9-11. Mm-hmm. Then I went to work for a, a bigger, more established corporate. Went to work for a guy called Chris, um, who really taught me kind of finesse and polish more than anything else. <laughs> and and just the way of dealing with people. He was a brilliant people person. One of the most extraordinary negotiators I've ever come across. Um, and uh, and then four years after that, I thought, you know what? This irritation of... Uh, of working for other people is really kind of coming back. And I could I could sense that it was time for me to uh, start something myself. And mm-hmm. Salisi was born, and here we are. Wow, very cool. I, I love that. And obviously, you've had some had some great mentors that have really helped you to, uh, you know, polish up and get better at the things that you were better at. Yeah. So so tell me a little bit about, you know, you, you started your own business. And you mentioned when we were talking before the interview, I thought this was really interesting and something I want to ask you about. You know, you started in the UK and then you made the move to Las Vegas. Uh, why the move? Because that's a big move, big change, right? Um, from from colder and wetter to hotter and drier and all the way across the world. Why the change? And, and tell me, how did that go? Because I think sometimes people feel, maybe feel stuck with the location. I think now more than ever, the opportunity to move could be super valuable and, and did that impact your business or did you just kind of carry on as as normal i'm interested in that whole process okay well um so what what was the trigger the move was was really kind of two things there was a professional drive and a, and a kind of personal drive okay mm-hmm. the professional drive was that Salise's calling card really pretty much from day one was that we helped american technology companies grow in europe that's basically what we did okay ah, okay so almost all of our clients were American companies, okay? And increasingly, we were getting requests from those companies, hey, can you give us a hand here in the US, okay? And uh, just a tiny little bit of, of, uh, of kind of technical point is that most recruitment is done in the afternoon or in the evening, generally speaking, okay? Mm, okay. Um, because... Um, you tend to want to speak, people want to talk to you towards the end of their day rather than the beginning of their day, particularly candidates who you're trying to headhunt for jobs, that kind of thing. So just in a, in a purely kind of dry technical point, um, if, I am, if I'm speaking to somebody um, in, for example, the Middle East or in Africa or in Israel or in, or in France, right, um, I'm going to be talking to them at kind of like three, four, five o'clock in the afternoon, UK time, 
okay? Mm -hmm. Whereas if I'm going to be doing the same thing to a company in California, or sorry, to, to hire an individual in California, it's going to be really tough to do that in the evening right, if I'm based right. in the UK, right? So just from a time zone perspective, I mean, we did it a few times, but it was really tough just playing with time zones and getting hold of people. Done some of that, so, yeah. So we we were reluctant to do it, but then we kind of identified, hey, there's a there's actually a really big opportunity here. So the initial thing we did was try and see if we could any if we could hire anyone over here in the US to do it for us. Um, but that became a whole sort of challenge in of itself. And then um, I spoke to the other founders of the the other my, my kind of co-directors, and we just sort of discussed, okay, well, if one of us is going to go, who should do it? Mm -hmm. And I said, do you know what? I'll have a go. I mean, I started it here, so I might as well be the one that goes and starts it over there. So I talked to my family, and they were very supportive. And it was actually something that my family really were quite keen on the idea of doing. Now, <laughs> parallel, parallel to that, I have to tell you, born and bred in Manchester, okay? Uh -huh. I don't know if you've ever been to Manchester, England. but it's, Okay, well, it's good. You're one of the lucky ones. So it's um, from a climate point of view, Imagine Vancouver or Seattle, okay? Right. Yep. Um, it's cloudy. It rains a lot. I mean, the people are great, all right? I love Mancunians. They're very um, – it's very similar to Boston, you know? Uh, it's yeah. that kind of that kind of mentality, that kind of – you know, people are very friendly but very kind of industrial and like hardworking and very robust senses of humor, that kind of thing. Yeah. And um, – Right. I mean, I, I love Mancunians, but I hated the weather. All right, it gets dark at three o'clock, you know, um, in the in the winter. Um, basically, I, I remember joking in 2000, 2013 when we moved here that it only rained twice the whole of the summer, all of July and all of August. So it's that kind of it's that kind of, and I, it just drains me, right? <laughs> and so the opportunity to go and move to somewhere where you know it's the sun shines pretty much all the time. I mean, today. We're in like what mid January. Uh -huh. I'm looking out the window. And it's beautiful blue sunshine. It's gorgeous, you know. A bit cold, but it's beautiful blue sunshine. So, just from a quality of life perspective, it made a huge difference. And yeah, we're we're super lucky to to, to be here. And um, so that's why we made the move from a business point of view. Um, well, first of all, um, we planned everything rigorously. I mean, there was like crazy levels of planning. So. Um, I gave myself, I think, a week off just to kind of like um, to, to, well, from the day we we moved on. A, it was a Sunday. We actually flew out here the day we moved. I took the whole week off just so we could like, you know, find somewhere to live and that sort of thing. Little things like that. And Little things like that. Time out. zone. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, get over jet lag, that kind of thing. Um, but um, pretty much from the following week, um, it was right back into it. And the business literally picked up almost seamlessly. So... Wow. Um, yeah, I mean, we were very, very lucky. And we had and still, uh, still have a very good team in the UK. And everything, you know, really just kind of, you know, continued um, almost without interruption. So uh, we were very, very lucky in that respect. Very cool. So share with me maybe a, uh, you know, a challenge you guys ran into, a bottleneck or a place where you really, you know, skinned your knees and, and what you learned from that. I'm always looking for, you know, it sounds like you've been through quite a few twists and turns. But really something that, that you learned a big lesson from that could pass on to, to our listeners and kind of help them understand how you how you perceived it or were able to overcome it. 
Okay. So one of the things that we did when we when we made the decision to move here was we wanted to try other although although there was going to be some overlap between the UK and the US businesses. We wanted to try and keep the two as as profit centers in their own right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the UK um, primarily just be primarily also because of time zones. Okay. We were now eight hours time difference to the UK. All right. right. Mm-hmm. So there couldn't be a lot of reliance on the US for the UK or the UK for the US. Okay. Sure. So all the kind of stuff that, that a recruitment company needs, marketing, research, um, resourcing, all these other things that, uh, that, that a recruitment company needs, we wanted to have um, separate in the US to in the UK. All right. Mm. So right really- from the get Really building a, a whole new business, it sounds like. Right, effectively, yeah. I mean, there was some there was some kind of cross pollination, but for the most part, it was building a whole new business. The whole the idea, the model that we had was they would operate as two separate businesses, but would but would have the opportunity to kind of pass leads. So, for example, the US mm-hmm. would do all the US work, the UK would do all the European work, but any companies in the US that needed someone in the UK, the US company would kind of run it, but the UK would kind of cover for it, and that that, that was basically how, how how we did it. Got it. Um, so right from the get-go, I was kind of working myself and one researcher um, to start building other business over here, which was great, by the way. I loved it. I had a time in my life. It was fantastic. Um, and um, after about five or six months, it was it was early January, early February. We moved in the July, I think January, early February. Um, I hired a kind of administrator, office manager type person as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and just around that time, um, the resource that I hired, it, it clearly wasn't working out. So I, uh, so we, so that, that that person left. So it was me, pretty much being a full what they call three sixty recruit. So I was doing all the kind of client work and hiring and looking for candidates with a uh, with an administrator, which was fine because I thought this is going to be relatively quick and it's all going to be good, right? Anyway, unfortunately. Um, just at that point, and I think it was even there was the weekend immediately before my administrator was due to start. Uh-huh. Uh, my son suffered a very, very serious accident. Okay, uh, he was ten years old, and um, he fell out of an upstairs window and landed on his head on a concrete path. Okay, Ooh. so uh, it was very, very, very serious. Um, he had life-saving neurosurgery. I mean, thank God. You know, he survived. He's fine. I mean, he's he's now in uh, he's now in high school. He's doing great. You know, um, he's wow. a very talented art. You know, he he draws beautifully, and uh, you know, we argue over King Lear. So yeah, he's which is doing for <laughs> for his uh, his English. But at the time, it was very 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 worrying, very touch and go. And um, I remember on the Monday morning. This happened on the Saturday. So Saturday, Sunday, and for the rest of that week he was in um intensive care the monday morning i get a text from the from my new administrator going um i've come to the office and there's nobody here like what's going on right so, <laughs> so I, <laughs> yeah i had to kind of call her and go well here's what happened over my weekend right and um the 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 reason why i kind of I'm, I'm, i when you asked the question why this came to mind was because um, when you hire people, you need people who right from the get-go have got you back. 
you need people that are going to cover for you. They can't, there can't be any, well, we'll see how it goes, or this person might come through, whatever. I was very um, focused and have been ever since, ever since I was hiring, you know, in, in the companies that I worked for beforehand, and certainly, um, you know, when we started Salisi, um, always making sure that the people that we hire are committed to the business and committed to me personally, okay? Mm. Because you've got to know that something happens to them, you've got their back. Something happens to you, they've got yours. And that has yeah. to happen from day one. It very rarely does. I mean, hopefully it'll never happen, but in the event it does, it'll be. You know, sure. we were in the trenches three, six, nine months later. I was in a trench, you know, two days before Amber's day one, right? Wow. Yeah. And she absolutely was brilliant, okay? Um, she just took on so much that... Uh, she probably wouldn't have had any right to expect to have had to take on for probably two or three months, right? Certainly not on day one, right? And absolutely came through for me. Absolutely came through, okay? Uh, she worked for me for another two years. And even now, um, we still speak to each other at least once a month. Um, she's a, uh, we, I, I'm an accountability mentor for her because she's now growing her business. So, awesome. um um so she she was an extraordinary person for me at that point and somebody who i'll be forever indebted to but a lot of that i mean we've talked about it several times since and she said that it was just this mindset that she had that i'd kind of identified um that she was someone who would kind of um just step up and when the time came she did And, and i think that's critical it's critical small businesses anyway i mean Hopefully, no one's ever going to be in anything like as extreme a situation that I was in, you know, when Amber first started. But I think a critical thing when you're growing, particularly a small team, every the the the, the ratios are so tiny that it's not only one bad apple is going to upset the entire cart. It's that every apple has to be the best possible they can be. All right, you need every single when you're when you're person number one and you're making. <clears throat> You know, if you're a small business and you're making your first one, two, five, maybe even 10 hires, every single one of those people has to be somebody who will step up, you know, mm-hmm. has to be somebody that, that that believes in the business, believes in the mission, believes in you as the leader and will, will walk through a wall for you, will walk off a cliff for you yeah. and never, ever hire anyone that you question whether or not they have that commitment. Otherwise, they will spread a toxicity through the business. Wow. Very, very important. As you bring it up, it it reminded me, I had a similar experience in the sense that I was the one that got injured. I was uh, hit by a snowmobile while I was snowboarding about a month after I had hired my first person in my uh, real estate flipping business way back in 2006, 2005. And uh, thankfully, like you said, I mean, I, I felt great about this person, but I hadn't thought about it in the terms you're talking about, but she totally stepped up. She probably saved my business because honestly, I was on so many painkillers. I couldn't even, I didn't know anything. I couldn't even think. And she, even with only a month of training, like really carried us through for a month or two while I got my ability to think back and my ability to, you know, move around and be coherent. So totally can appreciate the value of that. And, and I appreciate that. I think that's a really nice a really great insight for anybody looking to build their team. I've never thought of it in those terms. So thank you for that. Yeah. It's, yeah. Passion. it's, 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 uh, it's, it's, it's nice to kind of, I mean, 
that whole period of of my my wife and uh, you know my son's life was was unbelievably horrendous and it's something that you would never wish on anybody um and yet um out of such adversity um there, there were some genuine um diamonds that came from it you know yeah. and uh it's funny i remember i remember talking to my mum about it and she said to me uh, my mum's my mum was grateful one liners she said to me it's worth remembering that steel is iron that's been through a furnace mm-hmm. yeah and it's, okay. it's 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 for my mum it's a brilliant thing to say <laughs> <laughs> sorry mum if you ever listen to this but um the point the point is that that um relationships businesses um, even yourself as an individual, you become strong when you go through adversity. Agreed, 100%. So I, I really appreciate you sharing that. So Simon, tell us real quick, um, again, for people who are listening, you know, how can people find you? What's the best way to connect with you? Who is who is the ideal client? Who who are you really designed to help? And uh, And then we'll wrap up with one last thought. Okay, so we have two... Separate size to our business, okay? So Salisi Human Capital is our headhunting business. That's been around since 2005. And the ideal client for Salisi Human Capital are technology businesses of probably under about 300 people um, who are looking to scale the businesses, looking to hire new people, mm-hmm. um, and, and may not necessarily have found their groove in uh, in the hiring strategy. So we can we help with hiring strategy, with headhunting, with uh, employee profiling, really the full roadmap, okay? So mm-hmm. if you are looking to um, improve and optimize your business through its most important asset, which is its workforce, then we can definitely help you with that, okay? Um, the other side of our business is Salisi Academy, which is an online coaching and development business um, specifically to help individuals who are looking to level up their career. Uh, like I said right at the outset of our conversation, I'm passionate about people being happy in their jobs. Job satisfaction is not a luxury, it's a necessity. Mm-hmm. Um, people being unhappy in their jobs actually contra- is one of the biggest, if not, it, it's one of the top three contributors towards um, mental breakdowns um, alongside wow. bereavement and divorce. Mm-hmm. And uh, so if somebody is not happy in their job, this is not something you, need, you should live with. It's not something you just have to tolerate. There are ways, um, some of them very simple, that you can address. And Salisi Academy is, um, is, is the ideal I'd like to think, um, organization that can help <laughs> you with that. Um, and we have a, uh, a very, very reasonably priced product, if you don't mind a quick plug, um, that can it. help with that. It's called the Ultimate Job Hunting Toolkit, which can be found at ultimatejobhuntingtoolkit.com. Um, and uh, also, uh, we are creating, and hopefully by the time this, this interview goes out, we're creating an online career cloud platform called pivot lane which should be by the time this goes out um up <laughs> and uh, ready for people to access which is www.pivotlane.com um all of those links to uh Salisi human capital Salisi academy the ultimate job hunting toolkit and pivotlane.com uh, will all be available at my own website which is simonlader.com that's s-i-m-o-n-l-a-d for delta e-r.com Fantastic. And we will have all the links down below for those of you who are listening or if you're if you're uh, watching. 
and in the show notes. So you can go there and do the appropriate thing. And if you don't know, you can always go to simonlater.com and get all, all you need there. So Simon, I, I really appreciate you being on the show, sharing so many things. I'm sure we could talk for a whole lot longer. I do always like to give people 30 seconds or a minute. Is there anything that you feel like you want to say that needs to be said that you want to get out for anybody who's who's stuck with us and listening to the end here? Um, anything you want to share or that you think is important to say related or unrelated to what we have to, we've discussed here? Yeah, I'm just going to stand on my soapbox for two seconds, if I may, sure. and just remind people that um, job satisfaction um, is so important, okay? Um, and there are things, if you right now are unhappy in your job, there are things that you can do, and frankly, there are things that you must do to change it. If you're not happy in your job, it's worth remembering that. On any given day, you might think, well, I only work eight hours a day, it's a 24-hour day, it's a third of my life, what do I care? And then there's weekends, so we're talking about maybe, you know, a quarter of my life, who cares? It's so much more than that, because from the minute you wake up, till you go to work, the chances are at least an hour of that time you're building up into work. You're kind of in work mode, all right? Sure. Then you've got eight hours of working and then probably another hour at the end of the day when you're kind of winding down. So you're looking at a minimum of 10 hours a day, okay? Compare that to, okay, once you've kind of got home and you've kind of done your chores and whatever else, maybe you've got like another two and a half, three hours at the end of the day. You can maybe do a little bit of, uh, you know, watching Netflix or when we're allowed to, again, go to the bar and hang out with your friends or whatever it is, right? But over the course of from when you wake up on Monday morning to go to bed on Friday night, at least 75% of your waking hours, you are in work mode, okay? Mm -hmm. And if you're not happy in work, then that's going to spill into the other 25%. And if for five days of the week you're not happy, then for the other two days you're not going to be happy either. And if you're not happy as a person, that means you are going to be less than effective and not at your best as a friend, as a spouse, as a parent, as a human being, okay? Mm -hmm. And all of this will be, all of this will stem from you not being happy in your job. And that is something that in this day and age, with the kind of economy that we have, is it, it has never been easier to either change an, change an element of your existing job to make you happier, or to change your job itself. And... The ultimate job hunting toolkit.com is one of the products that can help you with that. But there are many, many others. Go on YouTube and there's so much free material. And if not, come to Pivot Lane. There'll be plenty of free material on there as well that can really help you with this. If you are not happy in your job, you owe it to yourself, your kids, your wife, your friends to address it. That's it. Fantastic. Well, a beautiful message. Well said. I could tell you're passionate just like this much <laughs> about that. So I appreciate you taking some time and being with us. And uh, yeah, just, just for all your contributions. Thank you very much, Simon. It's been a genuine pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Small Business Big Life Show. If you're a six or seven figure business owner who'd like to be on the show, we'd love to talk about it. Just visit biglifefinancial.com slash guest to get the ball rolling. And if you heard something you loved on the show today, don't be shy about sharing it. And if you do, be sure to use the hashtag smallbusinessbiglife so we can see that you're sharing the love. And heck, if we swoon over your post, we might even pass it on to our many thousands of followers to help share the love and the spotlight with you. Speaking of love, if you like today's show, be sure to hit that subscribe button. 
You know why? Because then you'll never miss another episode and you can get all the motivation, inspiration, and insights with every new episode. Also, if you want to see everything else we're up to on YouTube, social media, or even in real life, you can always visit us at biglifefinancial.com. Well, that's it for today. My name's Derek Van Ness, and I want to personally thank you for being a part of the small business Big Life movement. Now get out there, create more than you consume, love people more than you need to, and believe in magic because yes, it does exist.